0: welcome to the classic car corner podcast we are proud to be sponsored by gd herring providing protection solutions for your legacy assets including classic cars you can find them in my sunday drive blog at gdherring.com if you're interested in collecting classic cars check out my new book drop throttle oversteer now available at amazon and paperback the book talks about the fun of classic car ownership and ways to protect your classic automotive investment and your honest review of the book is greatly appreciated I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. Along with our guest today is Jake Metz. Jake, welcome back to The
1: Corner. We're glad to see you again. Thank you. And today we're going to talk about, you have a very unique aspect of your collection, and that is your uh, James Bond collection of cars here from Villains and Heroes. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the Mercedes first. Uh, Let everybody know the year and Mike Model on it, and uh, how you acquired it because that's quite a story.
2: It's a big story. It is a 1967 250 SE. So it's the fuel injected version uh, of the car. And in the beginning of 2018, uh, some of my BMW projects had kind of stalled and I was looking for something to uh, actually be able to drive and enjoy and kind of check a car off the bucket list. Uh, When I was a a kid, I worked at Tafel Motors, um, Mercedes here in Louisville. And did a little bit of um, you know moving cars around. And when those cars would come in, I was always excited about it. So I've I've wanted one for years and decided that it was kind of time to find one. And I also wanted a road trip. So I started looking for cars not in Kentucky and um, was on Craigslist in uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco. And I ended up finding a couple cars uh, up in San Francisco near Berkeley and uh, happened upon this one. And the owner was more than accommodating. He was willing to take it to have it inspected and uh you know talk to me at at length about what was going on with the car and made the process very easy so i'd found the car i'd convinced my wife and uh decided to do some crazy stuff and booked a plane ticket and and flew out to get it so we'd had everything kind of ready local shop had gotten it ready it had been sitting for about 20 years before i got it which in hindsight is a little bit of a mistake to do but uh you know live and learn
1: Well, and that's one thing we always talk about when it comes to collector cars, and we've had other collectors in here, is that sometimes the mistake collectors have on these cars is they become garage queens. Yep. And they don't drive them, so the suspension doesn't articulate, the bushings don't stay lubricated, and just things. Rubber stuff needs to stay... Drive your cars. Viscous. So they weren't intended to sit forever, so this one was... Yeah. Was it a was it in a garage or was it outside or did they take care of it?
2: So it was in a garage. I bought it from the third owner. Uh, what had happened was um, this car actually had a pretty unique history. Um, um, a woman bought it uh, as a European delivery car. So she went to uh, Germany to pick the car up, drove it. Uh, there's actually inside the owner's manual. There's a stamp from a, a service facility in Switzerland uh, for its first oil change. Um, she brought it back and drove it. Um, for you know several years before she parked it uh, and then later died. Um, her nephew ended up getting the car uh, and had it for most of its life. Um, and he never really did a whole lot with it. He kind of drove it some, but uh, it wasn't really his thing. And um, they actually, they told a neat story, um, the niece and nephew of, of the woman that bought it uh, when she came back, with it, said, "Why didn't you buy a Cadillac? Because in the '60s, Cadillac was was it, right?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Cadillacs are too flashy, so I bought the Mercedes," <laughs> which I think is is just really funny because yeah. it's a pretty flashy car. But mm-hmm. um, it it sat in that garage, and then his neighbor actually bought it. Um, he had seen it kind of peeking out over the years, and approached him and made an offer. And he owned it for just about a year, and uh, before he decided he wanted to do something different and and uh, listed it on Craigslist.
1: Very cool. Yeah and uh, you know i said james bond on here this 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 mercedes was seen in octopussy john what else was it in for your eyes only and we'll come into the other car That was also in those two <laughs> cars here in a little bit so so you end up you're like okay you make a decision i'm going to california and the wife said you, what <laughs>
2: <laughs> she uh i i expected a little bit of pushback but she was uh, completely on board very cool um she knew it was a car that i've been after for a long time and Uh, was excited about the adventure so um, unfortunately she couldn't come out with me so i I ended up uh, she dropped me off at six o'clock in the morning got on a plane uh, and i met a friend uh, i have a friend in in indianapolis who met me out uh, in san francisco we got in right about the same time the seller came and picked us up and i actually spent uh, the first week driving down the coast down highway one with my good friend ben Uh, so we did all the San Francisco things and kind of just made a a leisurely trip uh south towards Los Angeles to see some other friends. Uh and it was that was the best part of the trip by far. Mm-hmm. Um got to spend uh you know the Highway 1 if you can do it. Um, I know that's a bucket list uh kind of drive for a lot of people. Do it as soon as possible. Uh it is uh, one of the best drives that you can make. Uh and if you have the time to do it and do it over a couple of days, it's it's way better. Uh, but we were able to stop and see the Redwoods and uh, spend time, you know, enjoying the Pacific Ocean and all the views. Uh, and that was was really unforgettable.
1: Awesome. And this was in the Mercedes. So it was drivable and it was up to up, good to go. we from right there.
2: Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, before uh, I bought it, after I made a an a arrangement to buy the car, uh, I had a service facility in Berkeley uh, do a lot of maintenance on it. Just to make sure that, that it was up to snuff to make the uh, couple thousand mile drive back to Kentucky.
1: Very cool. I- the route, one, the was it route one, route one, yeah, route one. I've I've or done highway one, highway one. I've done the Pacific Coast Highway from San Diego to Los Angeles. Yes, so yeah, this which, is the the next part of it. Yeah. Which is pretty, and then you're in the middle of uh, Camp Pendleton half of the way, <laughs> and then you're just looking at the desert. Yep, and then you get to Huntington Beach, and it's just it's awesome. It's one of those mm-hmm. you just got to do it. It's it's absolutely. So you're in California, you go to Los Angeles, and do you take the start coming east from Los from LA? So, uh, well, how what was your route coming back? So we um,
2: we started in um, in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the next day we came down uh, into San Francisco, and it was incredible because the, the it was very rainy that day, which is kind of it was March, which is kind of seasonable, but still California it doesn't rain all that often. And as soon as we went through, they have four tunnels that go through the mountain to the Bay Side of uh, of Berkeley and San Francisco. And it was raining on the, the mountainside. And as soon as we came through what they call the bores, these tunnels, uh, the skies opened up. It was beautiful, incredible. You've got the Golden Great Bridge and the bay. Uh, but we came down um, and, and drove the whole way down and stopped in, uh, in Monterey in a little town called Pacific Grove, which is, uh, I'm convinced, the best place in the United States to be. Uh, and stayed uh, overnight there enjoyed a little bit of time kind of in the area. We went to Laguna Seca. Uh, oh. it's, uh, I didn't know, but it's actually, it's a public park. So you can just go to Laguna Seca. You can't get on the racetrack. We tried. They had an event the next day, and they were setting up, and we uh, we did our best to con- uh, convince our way to get on for a parade lap around the track, but they wouldn't let us. But we had a great time, kind of wandering around all that, and then we cannonballed from Monterey all the way down to uh, to Los
0: Angeles. Very cool. So how many people were in your party with the cannonball?
2: Uh, so it was it was just myself and and my friend Ben. Okay, uh, but we. We drove through the night we spent more time in monterey and pacific grove than we yep. had intended mm-hmm. uh, and just decided to get a little bit more in and, and drive late um, and we got into um, to los angeles the next day we went and visited some other friends there's a couple bmw shops mm-hmm. uh, that we went we had a, a brake fluid issue we were losing brake fluid so um, we had a friend that worked at a shop called coop king uh, who does incredible just absolutely world-class restorations on bmws um, and they were able to get us in and they found a a hose that wasn't for my car but we had um uh the driver rear brake hose was was weeping fluid gotcha and they were able to throw another one on and we were good to go so we visited um uh, visited coop king we visited another collector uh, and kind of enjoyed that collection and and spent the night with some friends Uh, and then the next day um, i dropped my friend ben off at lax uh, at i think gate one and then drove down four gates and, and picked up my wife um, and we we headed east
0: gotcha and so after you started to head east, what happened?
2: so we, uh, <laughs> we had an incredible day um, going uh, going east, enjoying um, you know a little bit of, uh, of Los Angeles and uh, we spent the day in Joshua Tree National Park, which was just absolutely breathtaking. Um, and that evening, as, as we left the park, it was starting to get dark uh, kind of a little bit later in the day. And uh, there's not much around Joshua Tree. Um, there's not a lot of main main roads. And we were heading to Arizona right on the border, uh, one of the little casino towns to stay the night. And um, I had this, th- this thought of, you know, there's no cell service here. Uh, there's nobody around for miles. I'm in a 50-year-old car. This could go really badly. Uh, And luckily, we were able to make it through the night and and got to our hotel and and had a a nice time. But the next day, a beautiful day, um, we were leaving the hotel and heading through Kingman, Arizona. And uh, things felt pretty good. Uh, And uh, my wife has some family out there. And there's a rock formation just outside of Kingman um, that looks like um, a rude gesture you might make with your hand. Mm -hmm. And and they've nicknamed it. I'm not sure if it's a... um, a thing that the locals do but at least in her family they call it the fickle finger of fate and i thought it would be funny to kind of return the gesture as a joke Mm -hmm. and it turns out that the fickle finger of fate uh didn't appreciate that too much (laughs) (laughs) so uh a couple a couple hours into our drive um we just passed kingman we're on the way to flagstaff uh to spend the night and the car started to lose power kind of went in and out in and out and all of a sudden we were at the bottom of a very, very long hill on uh, I-40. Um, and uh, had to walk, you know, people talk about going to school, 15 minutes uphill both ways. Had to walk about uh, 20 minutes uh, uphill to get a, uh, a cell signal and to get AAA on the way. Uh, and uh, luckily we were able to get a, a tow truck in and took a nice long two-hour ride, two-and-a-half-hour ride to Flagstaff. Wow.
0: How about that? So, uh, so you're in Flagstaff. Yeah. You get the car... Towed to Flagstaff, is it with you? Yeah. And then you call U-Haul. I think is that the story.
2: Well, we had the t- uh, the the car towed to the Mercedes dealer in Flagstaff, okay. and um, if I'm remembering correctly, this was the oldest Mercedes that they had had at that dealer. It's a relatively new dealer, and uh, but this was the oldest one that they'd seen, and um, they they really tried hard to fix it. Um, but the these cars, even though they you can work on them and most things pretty well, there's still some some systems that you really have to know how mm-hmm. things work uh, to understand it. And so we had planned on spending one night in Flagstaff. We ended up spending three um, and made the decision that you know we had, to, we had a deadline to get home and, and go back to work and see our families. And uh, we made the decision to, uh, to find a U-Haul truck and trailer and uh, try to press
0: on. Gotcha. So you rented this U-Haul though, right? Mm-hmm. And then you personally haul that car back on the back of this u-haul and, and that took an extra couple of days i'm sure right
2: we still made it back on time okay um good. but uh we had planned to to go from flagstaff to louisville in the, over the span of uh, four or five days okay and since we spent three days in flagstaff we <laughs> had about two days to do it gotcha so we um, we drove what essentially was a very poorly aligned sail across uh across <laughs> the country uh towing a, a very old mercedes uh and it was um not the way that i would have preferred to see the country (laughs) but it was still a a really nice trip uh even even on behind the wheel of a u-haul truck so what was the uh the culprit the culprit so it ended up being there's a relay uh, that controls the uh, opening and closing of a valve on the back of the fuel injection pump and it wasn't opening properly to allow fuel to come in and even though it was getting some fuel so we we verified that there was some fuel it wasn't enough fuel pressure to do the job to make the engine run. Interesting.
1: Well, and there is this other rock formation when you go through uh the mountains of Kentucky there's two hands, it looks like they're praying. <laughs> and when you come back it negates the things from the the finger of fate.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that sounds like a long trip, frustrating trip, especially uh going out there. But you know, uh
1: Trips like that, build character, okay. and uh, you're still yeah. talking about today. You know, so I'd do it uh, again
2: in a, in a heartbeat. It most was, people would. It was great. And, you know, it's, um, in thinking back on it, you know, if it had, everything had gone perfectly, it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. Uh, I do wish that there had been, you know, that kind of right off into the sunset kind of moment that wasn't in a U-Haul. Uh, but it's still, uh, it still was fantastic.
1: It makes it an adventure. I mean, how many times do you hear, I mean, in your life, you can say, well, let me tell you about this adventure we took. (laughs) And that's awesome. Yeah. That's really living. Absolutely. And you know that you're a car enthusiast when you'll go through that much. You'll do that for your kids. But when you do it for your car, right?
0: Hey, you're one of our people. (laughs) So so I got a question for you. Yeah. Because I've bought cars out of town before, but I've never gone out to get them to bring them back. Right. Obviously, I don't know a whole lot. Just out of curiosity, uh, what kind of questions did you ask the seller prior to purchasing your ticket? What made you confident enough to say, okay, I think from what I'm hearing from this guy, it sounds like this car is going to make it. And obviously, yes, to underscore, it's a 50-year-old car. It it can run great one second, and then the next second Uh, you've got a relay that's not working.
2: It ran great for about 1,600 miles, and then it didn't. But, yeah. Um, So, really, it's a lot of the same questions that you might ask somebody – locally uh, when you buy any car but especially an old car Mm -hmm. you're not just buying the car you're buying the owner as well the previous owner yep um so a lot of questions that you know you ask about the condition about you know uh, anything that might be important has it been smoked in is does it have rust does it run well you know is you know is it shift funny you know all that kind of standard stuff of course you ask um but i asked a lot of questions about you know um who this person was why did they buy the car why do they want to sell the car what have they done and enjoyed about the car mm-hmm. um, some things that you might not normally think about to try and understand what was their relationship with it uh, who are they as a, as a person as an enthusiast especially when it comes to old cars sure um and can you trust them and that was really what sold me on this car as opposed to another that i was seriously considering um, both very similar cars both in in good condition uh, but the person that I bought this car from was very forthright. He was willing to answer my questions and talk to me. He was willing to take it to have an inspection, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know make those recommendations and, and mm-hmm. go through that. So that was really what did it for me. If it hadn't been for the seller, uh, I probably wouldn't have taken the trip.
0: So, so you said he was willing to have an inspection. Did it was it in fact inspected? Did he? Did you mm-hmm. take? Okay, so yeah. did they do a hundred point inspection on this car? I mean, what what? what did they do to to maybe ease any insecurities?
2: It was nice. Uh, So they did a fairly standard inspection. You could probably call it a hundred point. I'm not sure exactly how many things they looked at, but um, I had, uh, and the big thing is, you know, you can take, take it for anywhere and the inspections is as good as the person doing the inspection. So uh, I found a shop that specialized in older Mercedes uh, and had them do that. And they, they were able to put eyes on it and really um, more than anything, they were able to verify that what I had been told was true. Um, and that was a big benefit as well mm-hmm. as to really get into some of the nitty gritty of, um, you know, the condition of some of the stuff that's a little bit more than surface deep. Right. Gotcha. So yeah. it, I did have them, um, you know, they, they uncovered a couple things that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I you know took on the trip, I had them do, uh, a not unsubstantial amount of work mm-hmm. to try and get as much as possible ready. Right. For the, for the drive.
0: Well, one of the questions that I'm, um, asked a lot is aren't you afraid about buying a car that you don't know a whole lot about and one of my ways of trying to reduce any of those insecurities are well i do have a checklist i have Mm -hmm. these points checked out especially if it's a car that's sight unseen that i'm trusting is going to be uh in good mechanical and cosmetic shape so i was just i was just curious if you had any specific questions um but it sounds like you know uh obviously you can't hook an OBD2 up to <laughs> no, this man. genre car, uh, but the relay sounds like a pretty simple fix. W- was that a hard part to come by? It was a,
2: an extraordinarily simple fix, um, but in the, the part is no longer available for Mercedes. Um, but there are they are, do have used parts, um, mm-hmm. so I was able to find one on on eBay within about fifteen minutes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but the the difficulty was finding somebody who knew how the system worked, right. To understand that there was a relay in play that could break. Gotcha. Um, so that was that was the trouble, and and stuff like that. I mean, you can have all the inspections in the world, and until an electrical part like that fails, you, know, you, you don't have anything to think about. So. Um, You know it was a a good experience and you know you do ask all the questions i I think the biggest thing with with any car uh, is that you go into it with your eyes open and uh, it's hard when you have a bucket list kind of car something that you've been uh, chasing after for a long time to not jump in with both feet and and just take it right Uh, especially with some distance and the distance helped me because i'm bad about that i kind of lead with the heart a little bit with some cars and, and sometimes you get burned sometimes you don't and This was one that i was able to be very methodical and kind of go through the checklist of what do i need to make sure what are the common problems yep uh and that can vary from from model to model but what do i need to check out
0: exactly well if if you're like me um i always anticipate problems and therefore Mm -hmm. i've got a little kiddie fund and i talk about this in my book i mean it's great to know that you can go out there and buy something and it's turnkey and it's going to be trouble free Realities are that might not happen, right? So if you anticipate that there's going to be a problem it will auto you'll already know in your head Okay, this something could happen and I am yeah. expecting to put some money into it And that's how I found how I can <laughs> relieve yeah. my insecurities about this But I certainly don't let it stop me because collecting old cars um, Is is very rewarding. It's a lot of fun. It does have a culture and um, I w- you know certainly encourage Uh, anybody who who wants to take that um, adventure on so yeah
2: yeah I I would say with any old car purchase you're you're needing to have a certain amount set aside Um, absolutely Depending on the car you know anywhere from 30 to 50 percent or maybe at least a couple thousand dollars for some of your more expensive cars uh, to make sure that if anything goes wrong you're ready Mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount of when you negotiate you price in those risks yep uh, and make sure that it's something that you can can handle that's right
1: now, and I guess another part of that is having a mechanic that has experience on the cars that has a tenured mechanic, not a three or four year guy, but someone that's been repairing vehicles for over twenty years. So they kinda when they go to say, uh yeah, the Mercedes dealership really couldn't figure out what it is, but then you get to the mechanic who's like, Yeah, on this model on this year, there's probably a solenoid over here behind here that will actuate the flapper, like you found out. Yep. And it's like yep. those are the mechanics you want to have working on those cars. And of course, that's the mechanic you're gonna have on your all of your cars. Right. Because they know these systems over the years of being around us. And I do want to ask you about another car that you have. hmm Because both of these cars were in For Your Eyes Only. I and mean, a couple other movies. You have the other Bond car, the good guy car. A Lotus Turbo Esprit. Is it a Turbo? No, it's Lotus a, Esprit.
2: It's a Lotus Elise. A Lotus Elise? Yes.
1: Okay, well, it was not a James Bond car at all, so forget about what I said. <laughs> it, it wants to be. It it's wants to really be. freaking cool. So <laughs> tell us about your Lotus Elise.
2: So the Lotus Elise, that was, that was another bucket list car, um, and I decided that I'm going to try and go through some of these cars, buy and sell, and, and figure out if these cars that I've always wanted were really kind of what they were all um, cracked up to be. Uh, so last year, I bought uh, a 2006 Lotus Elise. Um, and that was one that I think I led with uh, uh, with my heart a little bit more. I'd kind of gotten close to buying uh, a car for a couple of years and always said, no, that's not a, a smart financial decision. And finally decided that, you know, you've, you're only only young once, right? That's you've right. got to do things right. while you can. Absolutely. So I uh, jumped into a car that I probably shouldn't have. Um, unfortunately, the, the person that I bought was a little bit of the opposite of the person that I bought the Mercedes from. Uh, he was a little less than scrupulous. And as I was getting ready to drive away, he said, oh, by the way, when you get home, you should check the oil because it burns a little bit, yeah. uh, which is a bad sign. And I was so excited that I didn't say, well, give me my money back, please. And you didn't tell me that earlier, and unfortunately, the uh, the engine uh, went on that car about three or four months into my ownership, and oh, it's it's man, had a man, new engine put in, but the good news is it's a Toyota engine uh, and is uh, remarkably affordable, even in a Lotus, to, to replace.
1: Well, that's got to be a reassuring thing, because that's something that a lot of folks don't realize, that a lot of these, I call it a higher-end collector car, luxury car, sport car Mm -hmm. not a hypercar, but uh they're exotic exotic. yeah an exotic car these engines aren't necessarily made by lotus they're toyota cars Mm -hmm. they're toyota engines audi engines volkswagen engines so when you get in some of these cars some of these if you know that hey this is a toyota engine yeah once this engine's right this thing is i'm gonna have to break the engine it's not gonna break on its own
2: right it's unlikely yeah it's very unlikely and it's uh, it's great the cars are easy to work on believe mm-hmm. it or not even uh, being a, a a mid-engine car with everything packaged pretty tightly uh, but you know an oil change is i think 27 dollars, oil and filter uh, so it's it's a regular car uh, i joke a lot that it's just a corolla that's uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> and
1: for that kind of money why should it be comfortable It's <laughs> <laughs> it's not the point yeah now, hypothetically speaking, now we, every once in a while we'll have a little thing called hypothetically speaking. They they're all know where I'm going with this. <laughs> if you were to take it to a track, yep. not saying that, you know, we'd ever do this on the highways because we'll be all traffic laws here on Glasgow Corner, mm-hmm. but hypothetically speaking, how fast could this thing go with the Toyota engine in it? Oh, on a track. Gosh. Not on, a, on track. a street, of course.
2: Oh, I, or, think, I think it's limited uh, up in the 150s. So I it could does be, have I governors really, on how... Yeah. Okay. I could be really wrong about that. And, of course, with the, the way that it's geared, I think it kind of runs out. But um, I've never investigated the top speed um, because, of course, you know, hypothetically speaking. But, but if
1: you were on a track, yeah. wink, wink, <laughs> we're just on a track. Just, uh, what do people say?
2: Oh, I think it's, it's in the, the mid-hundreds. Okay. 150, I think 156 comes to mind, but, but don't quote me on that uh, um, explicitly. And
1: it's not exactly—it's yeah. not a heavy vehicle. It, I was going to say, yeah, curb well, weight on it's probably—and
2: that's the nice thing. It's—it is about two thousand pounds as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, just around one hundred and eighty horsepower. It's a one point eight liter four cylinder. Um, and the the wonderful thing about that car, it does have impressive straight line acceleration, um, and it's got good top speed. It's it's a fast car, uh, but the great thing about that car is you can do things in that car that you can't in other cars. You can take corners on regular roads at speeds that aren't necessarily irresponsible but are just unachievable in other cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the real um, appeal is is cornering um, and uh, momentum driving uh, is, uh, that's where the car really shines.
1: Very cool. Now, um, so there's not much body roll in that at all. It's kind of like a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean it doesn't. <laughs>
0: go, yeah. Go I mean kart, it just yeah. yeah. on rails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 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 yeah, is it Anthony Colin Bruce Chapman or Colin Anthony Bruce Chapman? Anyhow, he was the founder of Lotus. Right. And um the suspensions on those cars are really what they're primarily known for right is the reduction of the body roll um and just, you know, it's it's just a tight feeling car. Yeah. Now, I, you brought it over that one day and mm-hmm. I I was able to sit in it, but I've not driven, um, anything like that, but it is a nice looking car.
2: And it's, you're a tall guy and yep. it's surprisingly comfortable. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a little bit of contortion to get in it, uh, especially with the roof on, but with the roof off, it's, it's not too bad mm-hmm. to get in and out. And even if you're, you're pretty tall, you can fit. It's yep. uh, surprising.
0: So, uh, the gearbox in this thing is it? I, I forget. Was it an automatic or is manual? It's a six-speed manual. Six-speed manual. Excellent, excellent. Yep. And then is
1: that like a a, a, a a gated shifter, just shift stick shift, or is it the paddle?
0: It's a
2: it's a standard kind of stick shift. Standard shift. Okay. Uh, it's a cable operated uh, shifter uh, because the transmission is behind you, uh, which some cable o- operated shifters don't feel great. But they figured out how to do this one pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually it's pretty neat there's an aftermarket company that makes a um a gate for it, so oh, if you cool. want it to have that kind of italian exotic uh gated shifter, you can install one for i think two hundred dollars no that's yeah.
1: or just leave the boot on it and be a be british by gosh yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> no right. it's definitely a sharp looking car oh absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh,
2: I'd like to take one for a ride and just uh just experience just you know. yep it's an incredible amount of fun um and the the thing about the lotus is you know when you're not hypothetically speaking and you're on mm-hmm. uh, on real roads, the Lotus is great at reminding you how much fun you're not having, uh, and that's the real trouble. I uh, I like to drive mine as much as I possibly can, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it, it's hard to keep it within the realm of responsibility because it's always the devil on your shoulder saying, "I can pass that car, mm-hmm. I can go a little bit mm-hmm. faster," uh, and it's uh, it's just a riot. The exhaust
1: note says, this sounds really good when you push
0: the pedal down this far. You know yeah. what? If you push the <laughs> pedal down further, I sound even cooler. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, what do you wish you may have known before purchasing this vehicle? Were, were there Have there been any surprises owning this car?
2: Um, other than the engine uh, going, yep. that was the, the main surprise. Um, but beyond that, there have, haven't been any surprises. Gotcha. It's been uh, a, a remarkably easy to own uh easy to drive easy to live with car Mm -hmm. um in the realm of exotics a lot of people kind of tease it it's you know it's my first supercar is what people kind of call it it's like the play school of of uh high-end uh exotics and it's it's really not a high-end car it looks like it Mm -hmm. um but it's they're they're very regular in Mm -hmm. the way that they're put together um so it's been it's been pretty straightforward which has been a really nice experience especially uh, British cars especially don't have a great reputation as something that 's easy to live with and reliable. Um, I think my case of engine failure is pretty atypical. most of these cars uh when they are driven can be driven up to you know eighty ninety thousand miles without much issue um and they're they're just remarkably easy to to mm-hmm. be with
0: well that's good to know and and You know, we're in Kentucky, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe you uh, made mention that, you know, for it to be serviced by Lotus, uh, the closest one is actually in Indianapolis. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, there's a a great dealer, Gator Motorsports in Indianapolis. Um, There are a couple dealers. There's one in Nashville as well as, I think, Columbus, Ohio. Um, But Gator has a a really great uh, reputation in the Lotus community. The owner um, was actually asked by Lotus to start a dealership because he was such an enthusiast. Um, they wanted him to to represent their brand and he 's done a great job. They employ really top quality people and um are very easy to deal with uh it 's been a great experience
0: that 's great
1: i 'm glad to hear that so i and not to not to move away from the lotus or anything but fi- and uh, a final thought here of the you have your a really cool collection of cars that you have right now is there anyone out is there any car out there right now that you 're looking at that not necessarily right now but down the road just like eventually I'm pointing to the stars. I want that one someday. What 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 would that car oh, be? That's a good question. Or what would what would be a couple of those? Like if there's one or two, they're like <sighs> my heart really needs me to be in that one. <laughs> Even for the weekend, I need that one.
2: I've uh that's a great question. I've been trying to um you know, narrow down that bucket list of cars. I've I've gotten the 2002s. I've had a a 65 Mustang, uh the 67 Mercedes and the Lotus have been really the kind of the core group um i think the the kid in me really wants to drive a a, an early viper um that is one that i think if the the lotus went away that i'd like to look into a viper Uh, maybe for just a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. because i I don't have that much of a death wish Um, (laughs) but that's i think that's kind of the last bucket list car to Mm -hmm. to get into Um, first
0: year the viper was 92 am i correct
2: uh, might have been ninety two, ninety four, something okay. like that. I yeah. um I think the the one that everybody wants because you get actually real Windows for the first time and some some other things are like the ninety six, ninety seven. Gotcha. And, yep. Um, I remember being uh, a real little kid seeing you know blue with the double white stripes doing burnouts and mm-hmm. I said that's that's it right there. There you go. Um, I think for me and and this is a, it's a weird thing because um you know you kind of imprint on different cars and cars take you back. I had a neighbor that had a 89 um, Mustang. It was white, uh, Wimbledon white with the red trim. It had the taillight louvers, uh, and it was the slickest thing that I'd ever seen. And I don't really love those uh, Fox Body Mustangs, but that car, I I want that exact car in my driveway one day. There you go.
0: Yeah.
1: Very cool. Yeah,
0: there's no wrong answer to it. So that's right. That's the cool thing about it. That's right. Well, uh, Jake, thanks for joining us here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast. Uh, Please take a second to hit the like button on Facebook and leave us a review. Reviews are the most powerful way you can help us reach more people. Thanks for joining us here, and uh, until next time, thank you.